From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight, Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff, and boy has it been a great week. First of all, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this, because you helped us get to a major milestone. We passed 20,000 downloads this week, that's right, in just a little over a year, uh, more than 20,000 people have listened to this humble little show, and we couldn't be more grateful, so thanks. And in a way of showing our gratefulness, Black Belt Caitlin Huggins, who is a sponsored fighter of ours, recorded a video of the over-under pass, her specialty, and we uh, showed this guard pass on our blog at dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog and on our Facebook page. There's a 10-minute instructional that Caitlin recorded, and it's terrific. About 1,500 people have watched it as I'm recording this, and I got a lot out of it, learned a ton, can't wait to pass people's guards with it. So as a bit of a reward and as a bit of a thank you, I really want to send everybody to that video uh, to show a token of our appreciation. Another thing I want to mention, I'm not exactly sure when this show is going to go up yet. It's probably going to go up uh, Friday or Saturday. It might go up Sunday. If you're listening to this before Sunday, March 5th, you definitely want to get to Gracie Raleigh at noon for the Dave Camarillo seminar. It's only $65, and Dave is one of the best instructors in the world. His judo is amazing. His jiu-jitsu is amazing. His philosophy on martial arts, generally speaking, is amazing. And it's one of the best seminars I've ever taken. I've had the pleasure of taking several seminars in a private with Dave. And let me tell you, you won't be sorry if you go. Uh, so don't miss that. Because I'm not sure exactly when this show is going to air, I also don't know the results for U.S. Grappling Submission Only Charlotte, which is this Saturday, March 4th. And we'll post the results once those results are up on our Facebook page and on our blog. Finally, before we get into the interviews, uh, I want to tell you about an exciting project we did this week that is also related to U.S. grappling, and that's a data analysis project. Now, before your eyes glaze over, this is going to be really interesting for you if you train jiu-jitsu, and I think it could help guide your training. So Chrissy Lindsay from U.S. Grappling uh, maintains a list uh, in, in spreadsheet form of all the submissions ever completed at U.S. Grappling submission-only tournaments. So there's more than 4,000 submissions, more than 4,000 matches. And so we crunched those numbers to try to figure out what the most popular uh, submissions were for each division, as well as most popular submissions total, with the idea that this will help guide your training in terms of, you know what the most common things are out there, you know how better how to defend those. If you know what's most effective, it sort of guides you into what you should train yourself. And so those results are up right now at dirtywhitebelt.com. You can go to the blog and check those out. Made a couple of information graphics, too, that you can see on our Facebook page and our Instagram, which is Dirty White Belt. And those show you the top 20 submissions as well as some really interesting information about how long the matches go. A lot of people assume that um, submission-only matches mean you're going to be out there forever. As it turns out, that's not the case. As a little bit of a sneak preview, uh, we're going to crunch the numbers on a future show in a little bit more depth. You're more than 60 times as likely to have a match under three minutes as you are to have a match over an hour. 
So that stuff's really interesting. I always enjoy getting into the data and sort of seeing the bigger picture of where uh, of where jujitsu is. Because, you know, no one of us is as smart as all of us, and no one of us can gather data on 4,000 matches. Um, and so I really appreciate um, Chrissy and U.S. Grappling for making that data available to me to analyze. Anyway, if you're as interested in that stuff as I am, go to the blog, dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog. Go to our Instagram at Dirty White Belt and check out the most common submissions at U.S. Grappling. You might be surprised. Also, speaking of internet jiu-jitsu and U.S. grappling, if you are on Reddit, RBJJ is going to have a Ask Me Anything featuring Chrissy Lindsay, one of the owners of U.S. grappling, this coming Thursday at noon. And so we'll post a link to that when it's up So and post that on our Facebook and our blog. So if you want to ask Chrissy a question about owning a local grappling company, about funny tournament stories, about any anything you've ever wondered about U.S. grappling, then you'll have the opportunity to do that. So hey, Jeff Shaw. Yes, indeed. Is it true that U.S. Grappling has a rule named after you? In fact, that is true. Uh, a couple of times I've done something wildly stupid, and two of them have been at U.S. Grappling terms. You used to be able to enter all eight divisions. That would be under 30, over 30, gi and no gi for your weight class and absolute. And so I, at White Belt, decided I would enter all eight divisions. I had 24 matches and nearly died. Uh, thought that I would try it again at Blue Belt, had 13 matches, came even closer to death, and at that point, more important than my own safety, my friends at U.S. Grappling said, Jeff, you are single-handedly delaying the tournament by multiple hours at a time, so we can't have this anymore. And now, you have to pick. You're either under 30 or you're over 30, but you can't be both, and you can't mix and match. So, your next opportunity to compete at U.S. Grappling comes on March 18th in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. So this is the yoga show. A lot of you know that I've been doing yoga for many years. I first got into it when I was about six years old. These days, I kind of think of myself as that guy who is a purple belt but has been training forever and nobody remembers a time when he hasn't been training. And he's not a black belt because he doesn't know nearly as much as he probably should for how long he's been training. And he hasn't been super consistent about it, but really, really loves the art. That's me and yoga. And so I was really excited to talk to a variety of people in the jiu-jitsu community about their experience with yoga. One of those is Heather Casey. Now, a lot of you know Heather from either her training at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, from her training at the Quest Center and various other martial arts, or from her yoga practice, her yoga teaching, and her uh, her various charitable work um, involving elephants in Africa. Lourdes Cantu uh, ran into Heather at Toro Cup and took the opportunity to do a brief interview with her about what how she thinks the fusion of her various activities helps her about the intersection between yoga and jiu-jitsu and how uh, her training in one affects her training in the other and to talk about who else from the community has sort of been bitten by the bug and has gone to train yoga with her. So let's start the show by listening to Lourdes Cantu interviewing Heather Casey of Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Hi, Heather. Hi. How long have you been training jiu-jitsu? A long time. <laughs> but I know that you don't just train jujitsu, and um, you have also done other martial arts, and you also teach yoga, right? I do. That is correct. <laughs> so tell me how your cross-training of yoga and the, and the other activities that you do, how has that helped to affect your, um, or how has that affected your jujitsu? I definitely think that when I started yoga, my... mobility and uh, strength started to um, change all activities. Everything that I did from 
jujitsu to basic things to even recovery. I mean, I and my awareness of what's happening to me even during roles or during um, if I get injured I'm much more aware of parts of my body um, that are being injured or are really fatigued and with my understanding of yoga and the other cross training that I do it gives me the ability to um, put more focus into how I'm going to take care and rehab my body to make it more efficient. Body awareness is, is pretty huge in, in yoga as well as understanding where your body is when, when you're rolling um, and it sounds like um, you see the benefits in your recovery um, when you're training or when you're doing your yoga but having rolled with you I noticed that you have the base of a cat and trying to sweep you is pretty near impossible so um, how is like when you're training your jiu-jitsu what, what have you noticed about like your the cross training how, how are you integrating everything together? Well, when you talk about having a hard time sweeping, I think a lot of that comes from not just balance, but strength and being able to know where I'm distributing the weight in my body, which is also really important in yoga, Um, being able to know where your shoulders are over your hips, your hips are over your feet, Um, being able to have enough strength. Um, plus the mobility to get low in your hips, which I think is really important, which I think uh, I know from talking with other friends in jiu-jitsu, they have a lot of, um, or they lack the hip mobility, which I think can be um, restricting. Um, And I think that, uh, I think breath is also really important. I mean, for me, um, I'm still learning. It's still something that I feel like I know very little about, but I try to practice it a lot. And um, I think that being able to breathe when you're rolling, which again, I am still not great at, but I think being able to have that when I'm breathing in yoga um, or breathing in other exercises that you're, if you're not breathing, you're not able to think. And if you're not thinking, you don't, you can't play the chess game. So I think that when you're able to calm your mind, your body calms, and then you don't lose control or you, you know, you're able to be more present in the moment of what's happening in front of you. Do you have other jujiteros that are training with you or doing yoga with you? Because it sounds like it's really like your yoga has really benefited um, your jujitsu practice. Um, Have you noticed uh, more jujitsu? I know that they have yoga for BJJ now on on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, Are you noticing an influx of of people that train jujitsu coming to yoga classes or coming to your yoga classes? Yeah, I know um, from my school, uh, I know that it's really important to Mary Holmes and Rob Builder will go. Um, you have a background in yoga as well. Um, Jason Colbreth also believes in the background of not just um, yoga and mobility, but um, the gymnastics and body awareness. Mozzie um, has a background um, in all of his martial arts training and also really believes in breathing. Um, and uh, so, and, and Jeff Shaw, I know, has recently, he has started um, teaching. And I, I think that a big reason why yoga has started to take off is because people can't deny the benefits of yoga almost represents the yin and the yang of things. I think that 
you know, yoga in itself is just going to enhance whatever you're trying to do in jujitsu. So if anything, it's just going to take everything that you have and increase it. Um, increase your mobility, increase your awareness, increase your strength. Um, and I think that now it's starting to take off and more men are starting to experience the values of it. So they're starting to incorporate it more. And I think that in almost a male-dominated sport, I mean, more women are coming into it, but I think that now that more men are getting into it, it's not seeming so intimidating for men to take part in something that used to just be very, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's either all girls or people who do it are very, like, flighty or their heads are in the clouds and I, I can't get behind that. But I think science is getting behind the benefits of it. So it's hard to deny the effects. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for talking to us today about yoga and, and jujitsu. And um, do you have a website? Is there a place if people in, in the area want to come and, and maybe take a class with you? How do they find you? Sure. Uh, in Chapel Hill, I'm, in, um, I'm at Franklin Street Yoga. And in Raleigh, I'm at Briar Creek. Or in uh, Briar Creek, I'm at um, Burn Athletic. I want to talk to you guys about Cageside Fight Company for a second. I've been buying from Cageside for more than six years, and about 99% of the gear that I use is from Cageside. That's not because other companies don't make good stuff. They do. It's just that Cageside offers the highest quality products at the best value and, no joke, the best customer service I've ever experienced in my life. So whether you're looking for shin pads, whether you're looking for Thai gear, whether you're looking for Brazilian jiu-jitsu gis or Valetudo shorts, whether you're looking for the coolest t-shirts around, check out Cageside.com or come into their fight shop at one two four Lotta Road right in Durham, North Carolina. You won't be sorry. Another thing I want to mention about Cage Side is they do more to support local fighters and local Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors than just about anybody else. And so we've got to support the people that support us. Check out Cage Side Fight Company, 124 Lotta Road in Durham, North Carolina, or online at cageside.com. This next interview is one I've been trying to run down for quite some time. As somebody who loves both yoga and jiu-jitsu, it's only natural that I would take part in Yoga for BJJ, which is the website run by Sebastian Brosh and Miha Perhavitz. Now, both Sebastian and Miha are high-level jiu-jitsu and yoga practitioners, and I found the way that they think about not only each art, but also the way to communicate that art to others to be very interesting. And so we had a great conversation about competition, including a story about Sebastian and my instructor Seth Champ from the world several years ago uh, and about me, his recent uh, match on Polaris Pro. We had to talk about yoga, about what some of their favorite routines are, about how the routines that they do personally differ from the videos that are on the website. We talked a little bit about the various different styles of yoga and what Yoga for BJJ users can expect coming to that website soon. And as a bit of a surprise to the guys, I polled Yoga for BJJ users who were very interested in what they had to say and took some questions from the crowd as well. And so without further ado, um, I had a great time talking with Sebastian and Miha, and I learned a bunch, and hopefully you will as well. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. Why did you start Yoga for BJJ? 
I started yoga for PJ today because I saw for myself uh, how really effective yoga was. I had to start it because I was looking for for uh, something. Uh, I, I started training yoga and I could see how super effective and efficient yoga was for curing random uh, issues that you accumulate through years of martial arts training. And um, I started teaching yoga myself and I wanted more inspiration. So I looked online for uh, yoga that was adapted to guys and to martial artists and it was impossible to find. Uh, there was no nothing really high-quality content out there. So it was natural that I just had to do it myself. I, I know that you've had back problems. You talk about in the videos that you using yoga to rehab your back. So that's obviously one of those injuries. But maybe you could talk a little bit about the benefits of injury prevention uh, that you see from yoga. Yeah, I'm almost never injured. When I'm injured, like I hurt my toe when I did a handstand in my living room. And like when you're 30 plus, injuries takes a long time to heal. I just hurt my toe and that was three months ago and it still hurts. So, you know, the older you get, the more uh, serious minor injuries are because it's harder to heal from them. But when I spar, when I'm not doing handstands in the living room without looking where I place my foot, when I, when I roll... I very rarely get injured uh, these days. I was injured much more before, uh, so, and that's just for me. I can I can only speak for myself. So, for me, yoga has been a huge uh, uh, prehab. I call it prehab instead of rehab. Prehab, like you you do the rehab before the injury happens. And I think yoga is. Uh, I think maybe seven out of eight injuries. Minor injuries you can prevent with just being flexible and mobile and strong in the right muscles. In addition to the physical benefits of yoga, do you feel like mentally, either of you guys, I'd be interested in both your takes on this, that there are mental benefits that yoga helps prepare you for competitions? Yeah, I think it, it does for sure because if you do it in the preparation for a competition, so let's say you do one of the programs where there's a video for every day, every single time that you do a video, when you step on the mat, you get a little bit more... Uh, mentally prepared in my opinion because you get a little bit more mi mindful and you know how your body feels and um, it just puts you in a better mindset before a competition and I, I've been finding that recently in my own experience that it helps drastically. You recently had a match at the Polaris Invitational which is probably the highest profile match you'd had so far. Did you use yoga in your preparation for that match? Oh yeah for sure I do I do yoga daily uh, daily myself. I also do some mobility stuff. Actually, right now I'm standing on a, on a ball uh, to roll out the, the fascia because it just helps so much that I try to do get. I try to do it as much as possible. Uh, time is the only the only constraint I think when you when you realize that you have to do um, some mobility work in yoga to to be able to train safely. Because just like Sebastian said previously. Um, Injury is what you're trying to prevent most, and you're also getting better at the same time. So there's a, a there's a large profit from your investment in that department, at least for me. A lot of our listeners I know have been on the site. A lot of them are subscribers. But for those that, that don't know, you have a site that's organized into a series of techniques. You have certain routines, like you have a back week, a hip week. You have videos that are tagged by like, hey, I want, I want to do a video in under a half hour. I'm curious, do each of you have favorite routines for specific purposes? And if so, can, can you name some of the routines uh, that, are, that are your favorites uh, from the site? 
what I do personally and what I record on the website, there is a difference there because, uh, for example, when I wake up in the morning, I can do a 20-minute hold in a pose. I can do a deep forward fold for 20 minutes and I would never ever recommend anyone on the website doing that because for me, that's it's kind of advanced and high level and you need a lot of experience to know if that is a good idea for you to do it or not. So there is a difference between exactly how I practice myself and, and how I teach, but uh, I... Maybe I'm, I'm only teaching 40% of the yoga poses that I do and teach uh, in a more advanced class on the website. So I, I really try to not dumb it down, but trying to keep it super simple and basic. So Because there is a, there is a big difference between having someone in your live class teaching uh, in real life and uh, teaching someone through the website on, on a video. So I try to really boil it down to the essentials uh, to make it easier for people to follow. That makes sense, just as you would teach different moves to a blue belt than you would to a, bl- to, to a brand new white belt. Exactly. From a user perspective, you have all these programs that you try to work towards. So they're, they're kind of ranked uh, in terms of difficulty as well. And you're, you have something to go after. You have something to progress at. And, and I think it really... Uh, gives you a lot of satisfaction if you improve your mobility, your flexibility substantially. And as I don't, it doesn't really matter how inflexible you are. I know from personal experience, I was pretty inflexible when I started, and it just feels good to see any kind of improvement, and it really motivates you. So I think uh, getting into the programs is just a good idea in general. And then after you do the first few ones, you can try to work on the body part that you want to work on the most. And then you also have the, the other videos uh, on the website, which are, I mean, you have one for pretty much every topic, so you can search for whatever you want to do if you feel like freestyling it a little bit. Yeah, as a user of the site, I can, I can say that that is definitely my experience. And one of the things that I like about the videos is there's something for basically every experience level. You have an introductory week for Yoga for Rocks all the way up to my favorite routine, which is that competition prep video from Deep in the Archive that's really a killer, but it, but is also terrific. And one thing that I noticed, you know, I've, I've been doing various types of yoga f- since I was a kid, yet I still find a lot of things that are new to me, things that I can improve on. Like I thought I had very good hip flexibility going in, but the Yoga for BJJ Hip Week was something where I really was able to explore, learn new techniques, and, you know, and fix some things that I was doing wrong. So there is something for everybody, and I'm sure you've designed it that way. Yeah, I, I try to focus uh, 85 to 90% uh, on, on the new guys, but now that uh, that we have a, a structure set up from, from beginners to get yeah, from for all beginners, I'm going to start focusing more on the intermediate, uh, creating a, a little tougher and more challenging program very soon. That leads me to my next question, which is, about the process of filming and organizing the site. Like, how do you guys decide what you're going to film? How are you going to organize? Is that a collaboration? Or, Sebastian, do you just kind of decide what you think would be most beneficial for people? In the beginning, it was just me uh, trying to record the absolute most basics. But since Miha and uh, lately Ian got along, uh, it's more of a collaboration. And uh, Mia, tell them about how we communicate with our members. We always have a blurb on the side of the website where you can talk directly to us. So we have, you can, if you have a question for Sebastian, if you have one for me, if you have a general customer service question. So we really, really try to keep uh, close contact with our members to update them and to help them out. 
And speak, speaking of engaging with users, I actually reached out to some of the avid users of the Yoga for BJJ website and asked if they had any questions for you. And there were there were a few. And so let's go to some questions from, from listeners. Uh, Daniel Bertino wants to know what your opinion is on Kundalini Yoga. Um, his girlfriend has started it and it looks absolutely insane. For someone who is new to yoga, Kundalini might look super simple. But I've tried a couple of classes and I think it's the, the more... The more basic it is, the more hardcore it is. So, for example, in a Kundalini class, you can do just a few poses, uh, but um, it's really—I think it's really hardcore to do uh, to do some of the. Uh, like, I think it's uh, it's more for. Uh, I I don't I haven't been to enough classes to have an educated opinion about it. But for me, Kundalini is uh, is tough. It's. It's like it's probably like going into. Let's say you did two sessions of jiu-jitsu in white belt class, and then you go to an ADCC rules no gi submission uh, morning class with just uh, pro MMA guys. Uh, it's a it's a different game, even though it's the same thing. It's a different game. Are there are there plans in the future to incorporate various different styles of yoga into the Yoga for BJJ website? I know that Sebastian, you've talked about incorporating acro vinyasa into the site. Do you have any plans to incorporate different types of styles? And if so, what form do you think that would take? Uh, the acro makes sense because one, it's a lot of fun. And two, it's really relevant for jiu-jitsu being able to control not an opponent, but your girlfriend or just anyone in the air. It's a super good core workout and it's also really healthy for your uh, spine and, and your hips. Uh, you get more flexible and strong and it's a superb way to learn to communicate with someone. So for me, acro is great. Plus, of course, I recently took my acro teacher training, uh, and I also had years of experience. So the only thing that's your, the only things you're gonna see on on yoga for BJJ are from really experienced teachers who know what they're talking about. So uh, this is spoiler alert. Soon we are recording rehab programs with a professional sports injury specialist who is a licensed osteopath uh, and a experienced MMA fighter and. BJJ Brown Belt. So that is going to be huge because we, at least uh, every other day, we get someone asking us if we have rehab programs for this and this. And I am not uh, in a position to give them a reply with value. So I think it's great that we found someone who knows how to do rehab uh, responsibly. Yeah, definitely. And we love breaking news on the podcast. So I'll definitely, as an old guy who gets injured more than I would like, mm-hmm. I'll look forward to. To, to checking out the rehab. To piggyback on that with the different styles of yoga, I'm wondering if either of you guys have experience with the hot yoga, not just the Bikram style, but like what, what your opinion of that is. Obviously, it's not something that you do for the site because not everybody's got a sauna in their house, but I'm just wondering if you have opinions on that particular style. Have you tried the hot yoga, Mia? No, so not out of my apartment, really, but I did, I did make it really, really hot a few times before working out, including one time before a competition before the Europeans. Uh, I did that, and it's pretty, like, I like it, but I haven't done a class. I don't want to go to the Bikram one, because I hear the guys, it's a bit of a sleaze bag. I did a couple of hot uh, hot stretching classes, and uh, for me, it's more, uh, it's less of a workout, and more, what do you call, a treatment, uh, because uh, you're not building the heat yourself, uh, so it's kind of like instead of doing a warm up before jiu-jitsu class, you just sit for 20 minutes in the sauna. It's not the same thing, but it feels really good. 
uh, and uh, you get deeper into the process, of course, because it's it's hot. Every time uh, I've gone to uh, uh, um, a warm country, I get so much deeper into the process uh, just because of the the climate change. Uh, but um, I wouldn't never substitute yoga for hot yoga. Uh, I would try to focus on my yoga practice, like as a general tip, focus on your standard yoga practice, and then do hot yoga uh, once in a while because it feels good. But don't substitute uh, your normal yoga practice and just do hot yoga and expect the same results. To pivot a little bit to talking a bit more about jujitsu, uh, I wanted to ask Miha, what is the best thing in life and why is it heel hooks? Because because heel hooks, you know, they're they're great. Uh, just can't say anything about them. Uh, yeah, I've been found to like leg locks. That's I get about like three to four memes a week from people tagging me and stuff that has to do with leg locks for some reason. Well, maybe the reason is that you keep finishing people with heel hooks at high level competitions, which is, but, but, you know, you're obviously a well-rounded jujitsu practitioner. And so I'm wondering like, what, why do you think that is like, given that your jujitsu is good everywhere? What, why do you feel like your game flows well into, into leg locks? Well, I think that especially if you focus on being the best in, in Nogi, leg locks are kind of the best way to, to just capitalize, to flank people. I, I like to think, uh, about it's not going against someone directly with, I don't know, a takedown and then a pass and then a battle in the guard and passing half guard and then mounting him and so on, that traditional game. Because you can kind of cut through that with a, with a good heel hook. And I think that's more of a flanking motion where you try to get someone off guard. I talked to Keenan Cornelius when he was here a couple of years ago and he said something that got me thinking. And he said, no gi without heel hooks doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and I've been training a lot of nogi recently, and I more and more agree with Keenan about this. If you don't have the heel hook, nogi is just a slippery slip fest. Uh, if you cannot attack the legs in any way you want, and you can't yeah. uh, leg lift, then nogi is so much more. It's uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but it's a completely different game when you can't use heel hooks. Yeah, it's true. One more yoga question that I forgot to get to. Um, we got a question from a Yoga for BJJ listener who says, because of the lack of pulling motions in yoga, do you do anything to compensate for that in your other training? Like, do you incorporate weight training, or is it just a matter of practicing yoga differently, or what do you recommend? Yoga, uh, Miha can talk about uh, lifting weights, uh, and for me, uh, he's absolutely right. You have no engagement, no real engagement with resistance with your back muscles, and of course, Yoga is not well-rounded like that. You cannot just do yoga and be completely well-rounded if you don't do any other form of physical exercise. And for me, it's climbing. Uh, I started rock climbing uh, recently, uh, maybe half a year ago, and it's huge. It's so so different from yoga and jiu-jitsu, and at the same time, you're strengthening the right muscles to be much more well-rounded. So I love rock climbing, and I'm going to start doing it even more. Miha, I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you feel that strength training balances out uh, your yoga practice because obviously when you practice a lot of strength training that makes you stiffer in the short run so how yeah. can you like elaborate on on the balance between strength training weightlifting and uh, yoga practice it's a constant battle so the more you lift i think the more you have to do you have to do yoga and the harder it is to do yoga because you get sore uh, if you train jiu-jitsu as well, you get pretty sore, so you really have to force yourself to do yoga. But I see 
I see huge benefits from like a 45 minute session and even sometimes it sucks. I don't want to do it. I start doing it and then uh, it gets better. Uh, but it's it's pretty essential, I think, because I like to look at it um, like this. So if you have one one side, your yoga practice, your mobility, your flexibility improvements, and then you have the other side where it's hard jiu-jitsu training and weightlifting, um, you have to fight really hard to get enough recovery to be moving positively in that direction because otherwise you can't improve at all so you're constantly at the same place uh, so I think it's just about discipline and having to do the yoga I actually fought with a guy in Birmingham three years ago uh, and just from snapping his grip I was in the spiderweb position doing an uh, armbar and I just snapped his grip out I didn't even start yanking the arm I just pulled his grip loose, and I tore his uh, pet muscle just from snapping his grip. And this was a bulky guy that you could, you could tell he did a lot of bench press and, and weightlifting. Uh, and he was so inflexible that I ruptured his muscle just from breaking his grip. Uh, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, a um, what do you call it, an evil move at all. It was just a basic move, and he was probably doing uh, rehab for half a year, and I got really scared for his sake. I'm like, fuck, man. I even told him in the fight, I'm like, man, you have to start training yoga. Of all the benefits that yoga gives you, what do you think is the most important? Mm. Of all the benefits, which one is the most important? Mia, you go first. Oh man, you really pushed the grenades towards me because I'm trying to think of one and there's so, there's so many. Uh, it's, let's try a different one. Of all the benefits of Jiu-Jitsu, which one is the most uh, beneficial? It's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. The, the, the part where they tap probably. but um, <laughs> I think just general mobility and understanding of your body is, is, is the first one that you, that you get. So um, you know... How you can move and you know roughly what kinds of movement to do to get better and then from there on it's just about doing it more and more and more and you get better and better and better so maybe motivation would be would be a close second because you have to make sure that you're consistent and it's really really easy to find it too. your turn Sebastian I would say physical happiness uh, not pleasure at all because yoga is not necessarily pleasurable uh, rarely actually, but uh, the, just a feeling of joy after doing a, a complete practice, or maybe just a, a few poses, like I start my day with two or three poses in bed, and even if in a really shitty mood, like I wake up in the wrong sleep cycle, after I did a couple of poses, I just feel so much better, uh, not mentally or emotionally, but just physic like physical joy, it feels so damn good to do yoga, um, and it, it can really turn your day around. That's that's my uh, my uh, top top thing with yoga. I, I never ever regret doing a session. Never. I wanted to switch gears just briefly. And Sebastian, at the Worlds in 2014, uh, you know they have these warm up mats under the bleachers, and you know you were competing at the Worlds, and so was my instructor Seth Champ. And you guys had an opportunity to have a pre competition role, and I'm wondering what you remember about that. I usually don't compete with teammates like historically i never i never went to i didn't go to many competitions where i knew anyone so uh, i usually look at someone who is not at my belt level or my weight class so there is no chance we're gonna meet and i i can see that 
they don't have the teammates there either. So I just ask, you want to roll to prepare? And uh, more often than not, people say yes. Uh, and I remember rolling with Seth, and of course I was a brown belt then, and he was a black belt, so for me it was a great opportunity to warm up. And I also remember that he was a super nice guy, and it really got me in, uh, in uh, the right mood to compete. I think that was the same year that I fought with uh, João Miao and uh, Jackson Sousa. I thought it was an interesting warm-up ritual because I don't see too many people doing that, like war- like actually rolling to prepare for competition. But it, it made sense to me, and uh, you know, I, I didn't know that you didn't travel with your teammates. But it seems like it would also get out some of those nerves that you might have before a competition. Exactly. Now this, I went to the Europeans for the first time this year in the new venue. This year they had a huge warm-up mat, and it was so different. It was a completely different experience competing after like one hour and a half of uh, rolling i rolled with uh, friends and unknowns and uh, uh, it made such a difference to have lots of jiu-jitsu in your blood before you step on the mat uh, mm. and on the after i finished competing uh, i i think i spent two hours just rolling with random black belts uh, good level black high level black belts from all over the world uh, so it was just that was as much fun as the actual competition to be on the mat with the top guys in Europe and from half of the world. Uh, it's uh, For me, that was a real highlight of the competition. So if you had to summarize in just a few sentences, like what is practicing yoga about for you and what is training jiu-jitsu about for you? If you had to summarize like what you get out of each of those. Jiu-jitsu is uh, it, it's impossible to say why you train jiu-jitsu, especially when you've done it for a long time. I started training judo when I was seven, and for me it's more or less the same sport. It's just more that jiu-jitsu is more fun. Uh, but uh, I like if I if I bre- if I break my both knees and I can't compete in jiu-jitsu anymore, I'm for sure gonna keep practicing uh, yoga. Uh, there will be a day, uh, hopefully in the far future, where you cannot uh, step on the jiu-jitsu mat and fight anymore. Uh, but yoga will be there until the last uh, breath, literally the last breath. They're just two different things that are essential in my life. I, I need them both to be uh, feel complete. Mio, what's yoga? What is yoga, and what's jujitsu about for you? So jujitsu for me is pretty simple. I just really, really fucking like to do it, so I do it a lot, and I, it's just pretty simple, pretty primal. I just really like to roll, and especially when I think it's a very, very hard thing to do. If you want to compete at a high, at a high level. It takes a lot of personal development and ego crushing and just general growing as a person. And yoga is pretty similar, but I do it personally because I never paid attention to that aspect of, uh, of my life before when I was doing judo for a long time. And uh, I think it was a little bit too late when I realized that I'm really inflexible. Uh, so I'm actually getting closer to achieving my body's full potential. I, I really want to see that happen as soon as possible. So that's, those are my two driving forces behind the two. Is there anything I haven't asked about that either of the two of you really wish I would have asked about? One question that I would like to answer that you didn't ask is what are the, the, some of the best things you can do outside of jiu-jitsu to improve your jiu-jitsu? Uh, and yoga, obviously. And I think rock climbing and weightlifting uh, rock climbing is for sure great for you. So weightlifting uh, is a two-edged sword because you might be uh, get really injured 
because you're lifting with the bad technique. So if you do weightlifting, you would pro- you will absolutely have to do it with someone who is experienced. Uh, but it's uh, it's great, especially if you are already flexible. Weightlifting is great to to tighten yourself up and, and prevent injuries that way. And um, I found something recently that I think is absolutely great for jiu-jitsu, and that's capoeira. I went to a class yesterday, and it's so damn challenging. You need to be so strong, flexible, and you need to read your opponent. You need to learn how to pinch. So it's kind of a no-contact jiu-jitsu. It's like a jiu-jitsu fight, but without the actual gripping and holding. Um, so those are on my top three list of, of uh, things to do to improve your jiu-jitsu other than jiu-jitsu. And Mia, no, no pressure. I just wanted to give you the chance if you if there was something you definitely wanted people to know, either about you or about yoga for BJJ, or just a question that you thought I should ask. Uh, by all means, um, I would I would maybe like to summarize what our customer service motto is. So we're we're literally just the guys who like jujitsu, and we like to work within jujitsu uh, and on our own. So. Um, we have a customer service mentality of always working with people and always helping them out. We, we really have no problem like refunding people if they feel like that, and, that anything's been wrong or anything like that. So we try to have really, really a fair customer service to get the users a chance to experience yoga uh, in the best way. Because we would feel bad if we turned someone off yoga uh, with a bad performance on our part in the in the department of web design or whatever maybe now it's time for our featured interview so what you've heard so far are people that have been really into jujitsu for a long time heather casey's been training a long time sebastian has been on the scene forever me has an internationally competitive purple belt um, so these are folks that are really embedded in the jujitsu scene and are very focused on yoga and how it benefits their jiu-jitsu. So we wanted to get the flip side of that. And Martha Katz is a black belt in yoga. And she's very humble about her art and, and her place in it. But she's been teaching yoga for nearly two decades. And when you have the opportunity to learn from someone like that, it's a lot like learning from a jiu-jitsu black belt who's been teaching for two decades. The thing is, Martha now trains at two local jiu-jitsu gyms. She's a white belt training both at Gracie Raleigh and at Hoist Gracie Goldsboro, training with Evan Arredondo and with Jake Whitfield. And so I thought it would be fascinating to get the sort of flip side from the Yoga for BJJ guys, someone who doesn't necessarily use yoga as a supplement to her jiu-jitsu, but someone as from the yoga world who now has inter- entered into and immersed herself into the jiu-jitsu world. So what resulted was a really fascinating conversation where I learned a lot about yoga that I never thought – that I never knew what I was missing – as well as a really interesting perspective. So our featured interview with Martha Katz features the perspectives of a yoga black belt entering jiu-jitsu. It features a lot of fascinating information about yoga as a lifestyle in the same way that jiu-jitsu is a lifestyle. We talk a little bit about the parallels between yoga and jiu-jitsu and some of the differences and a little bit of everything in between. So here's our featured interview with Martha Katz. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality gis, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. I have two yoga studios, one in Smithfield, North Carolina, and one in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I started yoga a long time ago. 
back in high school, and then I went in and out of it and all around and got back into it really strongly when I had a really bad accident, fractured four vertebrae. And they sent me to physical therapy, and I realized that this was yoga. So I went and got a yoga book, and um, instead of doing the physical therapy, I did um, the book. Got myself back into yoga and never looked back. And you've been teaching yoga for about 20 years now, is that right? Getting close to 20 years, yeah. Looking back on that injury, yoga helped you effectively rehabilitate that devastating injury? Yes, because they told me within 10 years that I would probably need rods, and I was just like, that's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it, it stopped. It prevented, I think, further damage from happening, but it also gave me ways of coping with the tremendous injury and, and what happened. It, it really helped me with that. We were talking a little bit off-air about what yoga is, and I'd be interested to hear your answer to that question. What is yoga for you? Yoga for me? Wow. Yoga for me is a, a method of living. It's, it's not asana or yoga postures, as people call them. Um, it, and it's not just pranayama, uh, breath techniques, or just meditation. Uh, in order to do yoga, which always sounds kind of funny to me, you have to live it. It's like any ancient art or anything that we do that has lineage. It wouldn't have lasted this long, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 years. We don't even know how long it's been around. It wouldn't have lasted that long if it was just something you do. It's something that you really imbibe. It becomes part of your life. It's very interesting because listening to you talk about yoga in that way is how I feel about jujitsu. I think jujitsu is basically a philosophical system for finding the most efficient and effective ways to do a task. And we'll get into that later when we talk about your, your forays into jujitsu. But when you talk about yoga as a means of living, can you give folks an example outside of the asana postures? Because I think in America, when, when you say yoga, most people think, I will go to yoga class, I will do some stretches, I will breathe a little bit, and I have done yoga, and then I'm going to go do whatever else it is I do. So can you describe a little bit about how your more, I think, holistic view of yoga? That would be about three hours, but... (laughs) It's the internet. We have as much time as we want. Okay. Um, I would say there's there's an ancient text called Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and sutra means to sew, to, to pull things together. And that's what yoga, for me, does. It pulls my physical being, intellectual being, um, my perceptions, how I see things, how I evaluate. All of these things are sutured together through the techniques of yoga. I I think that would be the simplest way of saying it for me. So this may be a difficult question to answer as well, but I would identify from my own yoga practice and from what I observe in others, many different benefits that I, that I get from that practice, some of which apply to jujitsu, some of which just apply to my life generally. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what you see as the major benefits of a, of a daily yoga practice. Um, well, a daily yoga practice is just living the methods of yoga, which means being aware, being perceptive, not being driven by senses and trying to um, see what's in front of you rather than always just reacting to what you think is happening. So that's the daily yoga practice. The asana practice, um, I don't know, uh, the benefits I guess what we always hear is the flexibility, the strength, learning how to find balance in your body, in, in, in integrating that with the mind. 
the thoughts, um, not letting any one thing rule, that we're always looking for a sense of balance. And balance changes all the time. There is no one point for balance. It's always shifting. So to me, the yoga practice is, is being present every day as much as I can, recognizing when I can't and not getting too upset with myself when I, I go charging off into things I shouldn't do, maybe should have reevaluated first. But it, every day yoga practice is, I don't know, in, in this way where it really ties into jujitsu because I, I haven't been in there long enough or for some reason that just went through my head. But yoga is a a lifestyle that promotes personal well-being, but also uh, the way you interact with other people, how you choose to be with other people. And so you practice how you want to be with yourself, and then that helps to inform you uh, and makes you stronger, gives you better skills in, in learning how to deal with other people in situations. Maybe now would be the time, because I want us to talk about the points of overlap between yoga and jiu-jitsu and also the points of, in which those two are different. And so maybe it would be helpful to talk about what your motivation was for starting jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that might. Um, okay, so I've got to back up a little bit. There's this thing in yoga called samskaras. And to put it very simply, it means habits, habits that we get stuck in. And those habits can be physical or mental or social. I mean, or just our way of perceiving things become habitual. So, and they all interlay, interrelate, they all impose each other, um, each imposes on, on the other. So, my behavior uh, imposes on how I perceive things, how I perceive things imposes on my behavior, emotions, all of that. So, all my life, I've always done multiple things. I've always done uh, rock climbing with playing the violin, uh, motorcycling with with horseback riding, something's always been going on at the same time. And there was for about six to eight years where all I was doing was yoga, the asana, the pranayama, the meditation, the exploration of yoga. And I think I needed to do that. It was good. But then I reached this point where I I was really almost feeling out of balance. And um, I needed to get I needed to learn to be able to get back into my yoga practice from what's often referred to as beginner's mind. So when you teach and you're doing it as a business and a house, as a, what they refer to as a householder, um, it's, it's easy to get into habits because otherwise it's exhausting. So habits help you save energy. But they can also, over time, not really serve you because now you're not growing. You're in the habit instead. So I had two friends um, who knew me well, know me well, and they suggested jujitsu because they do jujitsu. And I was like, okay, I know nothing about it. Sounds like fun. And and they the way they described it was it's not aggressive. You're not jumping on people to beat them up. You're, it's a defense um, practice. It's how to. You know, take care of yourself, and it changes that solo practice that you mentioned before, being kind of on the mat alone and sharing space with somebody and, and working off the movements that they're making. So that's very different from yoga, very, very different. So I just did it, jumped into it. Uh, I didn't even research it. I did a little bit of, oh, this is where Brazilian jiu-jitsu comes from, yay, and that was about it. 
So I called, contacted three different um, studios uh, or gyms or dojos. I'm not sure what you call them. Um, and um, only one re- responded to me, and that was uh, Gracie Raleigh, Brandon Garner's place. And he set me up with Evan Arandando, and that's how I got started. And I went for my first private. And it's funny that you're asking, because just the other day I was asking Evan, you know, 10 months ago, did you actually think I would still be here? And he honestly said, no. He said, I thought you were going to take that first free lesson, and, and then you're going to walk out the door. And then he said, right then and there, you signed up for three more. And he said, and then you signed up for another three. And, um, and I just said, well, you know, I don't think you can learn anything once. You got to do it at least six to eight times to, to find out whether it's good for you or not. And, you know, 10 months later, here I am. But uh, I remember we started standing, and then Evan got down on the ground and said, get in my guard. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know what that is. Because I didn't even know anything, nothing about this. And, uh, and then about three months later, I met, met uh, Jake uh, Whitfield in Goldsboro. And um, I wanted to do, do a women's self-defense workshop because I was loving what jiu-jitsu was teaching me, informing me. And um, I think he came down half-willingly and met me. <laughs> and, uh, and that's grown into a really wonderful friendship, too. So you know, it's funny because people tell me I lucked out. Uh, meeting, uh, getting into Gracie and meeting Jake, that I lucked out meeting people in jiu-jitsu, really nice people. And um, I kind of find that unusual now. It it informs me about what I think the general population think about jiu-jitsu, especially women, that it's all these mindless, crazy people trying to hurt each other. And what I have found so far is... The world of uh, that uh, of the people I've met, I can't speak for the sports jujitsu, but in the world that I've entered, the openness, the just willing to, it doesn't matter good or bad, as long as you're there, as long as you show up, as long as you try, as long as you have a certain amount of humbleness, um, it, it's just been very receptive, very encouraging, very hopeful, and very helpful. And you were asking about yoga versus um, jujitsu. Um, and this is something Evan and I were talking about just the other day, that I find a lot in the yoga world that um, we think of yoga as being the place that's all loving and open-hearted and sweet and kind. And, and um, I, I don't always find that. But so far I've been very, um, very happy meeting the people in the world of jiu-jitsu. It's really kind of reinvigorated my my attitude back to my own yoga practice and how I am bringing yoga to people. That beginner's mind, again, that's what it gave me, exactly what I was looking for. There's so much in there I want to follow up on. Um, the public has this perception of yoga as this sort of mellow, peaceful enterprise, and you mentioned that you don't necessarily always find that. Is that like, is there yoga drama? Is that... Oh. Yeah, there's definitely yoga drama. Um, there's a lot of yoga drama, and it's very competitive. I mean, look at it. It's imagine if there was a you know twenty five or thirty jujitsu gyms in Raleigh. Everybody would be pretty competitive, and and I think that's what's happening too. It hasn't helped. Um, I think also um, 
yoga, um, and and I, I will be the first one to say when I when I first um, was introduced to yoga a long time ago, this whole thing of lineage and where people come from it didn't mean much to me. But I think there is something in that because with that methodology and philosophy and ethics is passed on. And when your yoga training just doesn't go any further back than the studio you took it from, um, I think there is a difference in that. Let's talk about lineage a bit, because I'm sure, as I'm sure you know, jujitsu people take lineage extremely seriously. And Jake is fond of saying, you know, the color of your belt doesn't actually matter. It's where you got that belt that matters. And, and I think there's quite a bit to that. You know, how do people that practice yoga and that do it for a living, how do, you, how do y'all think about lineage? Oh, I can't answer for other people. I know the people that um, have educated me and and um, who I associate with take lineage seriously. Not to the point where we're um, like can't think for ourselves, um, because I don't think lineage does that. I think lineage questions itself and is constantly morphing and growing. Um, but most of the people that, as I said, who who I've gotten my direction from, my education from in within yoga, they see the value of lineage because it is a base of teaching methodology, teaching pra- um, practice methodology. It gives you that um, ethics, um, and um, I think it also helps, it, it takes some of that sting out of just being a marketing thing, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense, and like uh, well, to to close out, I, I really to close out our discussion on lineage. I really feel like this is an important thing, where you know we should define what we mean by lineage, and that like in jujitsu, for example, you know I'm a purple belt under Seth Champ, who you know got his black belt from Hoist Gracie, who got his belt from his father Elio Gracie. In yoga, do you take it back all that far? Like how how do, so? For example, if you were to express your lineage, how would how would you express it? Well, I got my training through a woman by the name of, well, I shouldn't say all my training, but the majority of the training, especially my advanced training, from um, Janet Gormley-Eschos. And she was trained directly by a gentleman by, by the name of Deskachar, whose father was Krishmacharya. And from there, it just goes on and on and on back hundreds of years. But Krishmacharya is the person who trained um, his son, Deskachar, who trained Iyengar, and who trained Padtaba Joey. So he, those three people were his disciples who he sent basically to the United States, well, Padtaba Joey and Iyengar, to the West, to teach for specific reasons. So that's the lineage I come from, is Krishmacharya. Is part of the yoga drama people talking smack about other people's lineage? Because in jiu-jitsu, I sure know that occasionally people are like, well, those guys are insert name of instructor guys, and we know how those guys are. Is that is that sort of, is there rivalry in yoga? Oh, I think so, definitely. And, and especially with some of the newer forms that have come up over the last 10, 15 years that um, have pulled from two or three different places and then created their own whole new yoga uh, platform. Um, it, again, they're they're pulling from maybe two or three or four different lineages, and and the the philosophy and the methodology and things get a little bit to me. And this is again just my perspective. Get a little m- muddied, I guess sometimes. Um, but yeah, there is like 
you know, the, the rivalry of uh, people refer to as vinyasa yoga. I do vinyasa yoga. But in the yogic tradition, all yoga is vinyasa because vinyasa means to step forward purposefully. That's it. But there's these claims that are being made that one is better or superior or um, this is the one of the stars, this is the one of the athletes, this is the one of the pure yoga. And it, it just, um, it's the drama. Yeah. You mentioned earlier some of the more modern forms, but like we were talking offline about how there's really only a few different parts of yoga. I'm interested in if you could explain to the listeners like what the forms of yoga are and what you mean when you say more modern forms coming about. Really, almost all forms that we practice here in the United States or in the West is Hatha yoga. Um, so Hatha yoga is asana, pranayama, meditation. There's some kriyas or what they call cleansings. And, um, and some other things that one does. And then there's another form of um, the original, we're talking about the original schools, or, or methods, methodologies, not schools, um, of practicing yoga. So there was Hatha, and then Raja, which is often referred to as the king of yoga. So um, Hatha yoga is often referred to as the precursor. And Raja also is asana and, and all that, but the main focus is meditation. And then we have what is referred to as bhakti yoga. And bhakti means devotion. So that would be, um, sometimes it's referred to as more of a devo um, religious perspective, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And then there's jnana yoga, which is um, the yoga of knowledge. And that's where you find a lot of science and people who are more interested in practicing yoga from that form. And, um, and kriya, I'm sorry, and karma yoga. So karma yoga is that um, the yoga of right action. I know sometimes we talk about, oh, karma comes back to bite you. And if you live your life so that I'm going to do this so I get something good for me later on, that's not really karma yoga. Karma yoga is is doing an action or, a or having a behavior or a thought simply because it's the right thing to do. There is no asking for anything back. So it's not just stretching? No. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, and that's why I wanted to have you explain that to the listeners because I do think most people, particularly athletes, a lot of the athletes that get into jiu-jitsu think, okay, I want to be in yoga for flexibility and strength. But I think it's important to be clear that there are you know, that yoga is, as you, as you just explained, much broader than that. So where do forms like kundalini yoga, sometimes we hear terms like ashtanga, where does that fall into, into yoga? Well, kundalini is kind of unique unto itself. And from, uh, it's a hatha yoga, but in, in some say it's more raja um, because of its concentration on kriyas and meditation. Um, ashtanga is hatha. But let me let me just say one thing that in a in a full yoga practice, there is you're practicing all of them because I, I I practice science, I practice devotion, I practice right action, I practice all of those things. But we concentrate more uh, through one than the other. So I think here in the United States, that's exactly where we are. We're very hatha yoga oriented. Whereas um, we're not saying, oh, no, you also need to get education and science, and you also need to find something in which you're passionately devoted to. Um, that's not really brought into the Western yoga practice. So as someone that's very experienced in yoga but is relatively new to jiu-jitsu, I have a two-part question. What has been 
the hardest thing for you in terms of making the transition? And what has been something where you feel like your yoga experience has prepared you extremely well, or at least more well than you might have thought initially for, for jujitsu? Let me answer the second one first. Um, so I don't, I don't think it did at all. I, I mean, it's just been amazing to me. And that's the wonderful, that's why I've loved it coming into the jujitsu because I am completely unprepared. Um, they talk about, you know, in yoga, we talk about breathing, breathing. What does Jake and Evan have to say to me all the time? Breathe. But when I um, teach, I um, worked with Evan, uh, brought him here one time to the studio and, and did a yoga class and had to remind him to breathe. And um, Jake works with me sometimes with yoga and it's like, Jake, you got to breathe. You guys talk about breathing all the time, right? You got to breathe. But when you're learning something new, um, I, I, I suppose having the flexibility and coordination that yoga has brought to me has really helped me with the jujitsu. I, I would say that for sure. Um, but... Uh, um, the other thing that I guess it is um, the uh, some of the philosophy in practicing yoga, that concept of beginner's mind. But there's also something else in, in yoga that we understand when you learn something for the first time, you're in more of a, what they refer to as a brahmana state, hot energy, high. And when we're learning something new, we tend to hold our breath. I mean, just watch a child learning something new for the first time. They'll hold their breath. And how many times in our language do we have words of waiting to exhale, if you could just catch my breath? I mean, we have all these things around breathing. So um, I laugh at myself when I hold my breath because I do all this yoga and I'm all this breathing techniques and all this pranayama, and here I am, like somebody reminding me to breathe. But I'm, I'm able to kind of smile at myself and just recognize I'm in that learning state, and this too will eventually change as, as I get better with it. So much in jujitsu is hard. And uh, let me also just say, my philosophy on yoga, jujitsu, and life is as long as I keep breathing, it can't have gone that bad. Right. So, <laughs> but the first question was, what has been the toughest thing for you about making in the transition? You know, obviously you're still, yoga is still your life, but like, what has been the toughest thing about for you about coming from yoga into jujitsu? The toughest thing is, in yoga, I, I, I'm pretty good. I can do most uh, asana. I'm, I, uh, most pranayama practice are, are not beyond my grasp. Um, meditation is always a daily struggle, but it's something I struggle with daily, so I consider it a good practice. Um, coming to jiu-jitsu uh, was... Um, I, 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 I'm kind of at a loss for words in a way. I hate to say that. It's just a whole new world for me. It's been really, really difficult, the working with another body. Um, okay, I did horseback riding. I mean, all these things, but you're always the leader. There's always in which somebody's following you. And in jujitsu, that's not happening. It's that constantly you have to observe yourself. You have to be willing to make a constant adjustments to the other person. And at the same time, you're making adjustments to yourself. It's just there. there is no, to me help there from yoga coming into jujitsu um and especially as a female so i'm just going to put that out there too as a woman and you know i'm over 40 so um that also um bringing in social um my life is you know weren't really exposed to that you know these these 
body-to-body sports, you know, maybe, you know, in field hockey, you knock somebody over once, but long-term maintained body contact, you know, you don't have that. You don't have that experience. And I have, so I have nothing historically to draw from. So here I am, brand new, and, and trying to, even terminology, like, like um, underhook and overhook, I'm like, I don't even know what that means, you know, and having to learn the, the terms for that, which for someone else may come naturally. So it's really starting like baby, baby, and bringing myself forward, and, and trying not to um, be disappointed with myself. You mentioned that Evan had come out here for a yoga class, and I'm wondering, have you met people through jujitsu who have said, "Hey, I want to go take a yoga class from Martha"? And ha- and if if that's happened, like, what has that experience been like? Well, um, yeah, Evan came here, um, and I I think he <laughs> got a different experience because if you're used to one certain style of yoga, and then you come into this more what I teach is more traditional, it's it's very different. Um, and I did a workshop with for some of Jake's people um, one time. I think, and I'm just going to say this, and, and I may be totally missing the mark, I don't know, but just from my personal experience and what people, women especially who tell me, they're not going to come into a jiu-jitsu place because it's like a bunch of guys all sweaty, rolling around on each other. It's like weird. And, and that like, I'm not going to go unless you're going to go, you know, get a group of women to go and do something. And I think a lot of the guys doing jujitsu, it's kind of the same way. They're like, I'll go if you're going to go, guys, but I'm not going by myself into that zone. Because you never know what you're going to get. And, and some, of the, some of the yoga practices can be very, very flowery and very f- dancey and feminine. And I don't think that that necessarily benefits a jujitsu uh, person. Um, but uh, I think that's... You know, there's the images of. And I think um, Jake was telling me the first time we met, he was saying, well, my guys don't want to do yoga because they pull up Instagrams and see pictures of girls with their foot on the back of their head. And they're like, oh, hell no. And I, I can't blame them. And if I looked at some of the things I saw happening in jujitsu before I went into my first jujitsu class, I probably wouldn't have walked through the door. So in that moment, ignorance was bliss for me. Um, I think that's where some of, some of the not not stepping forward comes from and i think you're right to identify the gender piece you know i've been doing yoga since since i was six the only child of a single mom and i've been the only guy in the yoga class like for so many of those classes and uh it it, so it it is i I think it's important to for people to get out of their comfort zone and sort of be able to like take you know go into spaces that they might have stereotyped as you know, meathead zones or flowery zones, which is not to say that those zones don't exist because they certainly do. Uh, well, just to, to, to how things I think are changing, um, I don't know if um, Jake ever mentioned this to you, but I, I teach at Fort Bragg at Special Ops Aviation, and I also teach at the Tactical Warfare Academy. They're bringing this to their people because they're recognizing that the benefits supersede any of this gender thing or anything else. But I, I do think that, especially for people in jiu-jitsu, if they're going to go into the yoga world, they really need to make sure what classes they're picking. I mean, just like I had to make sure, you know, if I go someplace, who I'm rolling with, what I'm looking at, I always study and look first. Um, I think that, that has to happen, too. You don't just walk into any random thing. 
random class. It makes sense. And, and that makes me happy to hear. I mean, I think everybody, regardless of gender, should do both jujitsu and yoga, but, but that's just me. Um, you mentioned that you teach a, a very traditional practice. And I'm wondering, we talked a little bit offline about, about hot yoga. What is your take on hot yoga and how it interfaces or does not with traditional yoga? Hot yoga. Well, if you're defining it by Bikram or, or just like in a room that's over 95, you know, because hot yoga can be flowing, hot yoga can be static. Um, it's really just being in a hot room, usually very humid. Um, I tend to land on the side of science. My, my master's degree is in health psychology, so I land on the side of science. And for the same reason you don't go out, put people out on a football field in 105-degree weather because they have heat stroke, is the same reason that, you know, hot yoga is not um, necessarily something that I personally would choose to practice. Um, we have two primary organs of detoxification. That's your kidney and your liver. And I mean, we used to have the skin too and a little bit intestines. But but when you take body temperature, if the outside temperature is 105, you can imagine what your internal temperature is doing. So the very organs that we're supposed to be helping were actually straining terribly. So um, again, I land on the side of science. And I know I'm probably going to all the hot yoga people are going to be calling your station. But um, I think if you're healthy and you're well hydrated and that's what makes you happy, um, go do whatever yoga that gets you motivated and moving. It's uh, just like anything. You'll try it, you'll like it, or you won't. And then maybe eventually you'll look into something else and move. It's got to be about change anyways, all along, whether you're changing your body or changing your perspective. So... That's, all, that's really all I can say about hot yoga. <laughs> well, I'm sure all the jujitsu people listening are, are very scared that the hot yoga people are mad at them. So uh, a, couple, a couple of questions uh, just to close this out. Like, what do you think the most common misconception about yoga is? So either from new students that have come to you and have had misconceptions or just your perception generally, what do you think the average person's misconceptions about yoga are? That it's about being flexible. I mean, that's the first thing people say. I'm not flexible enough. And I'm like, well, that's not bad. Because being overly flexible is actually more hazardous to your health than being a little contracted. Because, I mean, if somebody pulls on you, what's the first thing you do? You, You contract because your body knows that being pulled, joints being pulled on is not a healthy place to be. So it's about a balance between flexibility and and strength. It's not about being able to put your foot on the back of your head. There's this one guy, his name is um, Leslie Kamenoff. He's up in New York, and, and um, he's controversial, but the way he explained it is this way. He was giving a workshop, and he'd just gone through this amazing explanation of what a um, seated forward fold or a standing forward fold should look like, or, or can look like, the purpose of it. Um, stretching the back, creating um, length through the spine, I mean, all this stuff. And then a student raises her hand and just says, yeah, but isn't the primary purpose to put your forehead on your shins? And he's like, as in, that's what it's supposed to look like. Isn't that your goal? Isn't that where, in order to get the complete benefit from that pose, isn't that what you should be doing? And he said, well, if you're a 50-year-old man and you just want to be able to tie your shoes, the answer is no. Because putting your forehead on your shin doesn't do a thing for you. But if you're a 30-year-old dance teacher who's opened up a studio, then yes. It's that simple. It's how does it serve you 
And that always goes back to the old thing that asana doesn't uh, serves the body, body doesn't serve asana. And that's really, a, I think, a wonderful description of what that means. You, your flexibility needs to match your need, not desire. I always ask jujitsu people um, what they think the most common mistake that jujitsu people who have a certain level of proficiency, maybe they've got a blue belt, well, what's the most common mistake the, that jujitsu people see them making? And so I'd like to ask you that question about yoga folks that aren't, you know, brand spanking new. Hey, I, I came in, I heard about this, you know, from a flyer, but like somebody that's been training a year, practicing for a year. What do you, what do you think some of the most common mistakes they make either philosophically or in poses are? Well, I would say in poses, I think a lot of people don't have enough core strength. They depend way too much on um, joint movement over core strength. And um, and core strength is where everything comes from. I mean, are you, we didn't know that in jiu-jitsu. You're not going to be able to move if, you're, if your core isn't strong. And um, safe and effective movement of extremities relies on uh, core strength. And that's not just belly, that's back too. So I think that's one thing. They just, there's not enough attention paid to that. Uh, I also think that uh, People once they get a a, go, a practice going for a little while, they, we get into what's referred to as pose chasing. I want to be able to do that, and I want to be able to do this, and I want to get there. And um, and that's that's something that everybody has to go through. It's like the blue belt stage, I guess, or the white belt stage, right? It's the same thing. Um, but it's being able to eventually move past that and get back into it as a a form of health. That is a place that I do think the analog to jujitsu is very strong, where often I'll find, you know, people that have been doing jujitsu pretty intensely for a year or two get really frustrated, like, Jeff, why can't I get the barambolo on these people that have been training a long time? And I'm like, you know how, you have any idea how long it took me to hit my first barambolo on people? And, and, you know, so I guess, you know, whether it's like the bird of paradise or whatever it is, uh, you know, folks' expectations are not necessarily ratcheted correctly. Um and additionally, like, it's interesting to hear you talk about the, the asana in service to our health as opposed to the, the other way around. And that's one of the things that where I do think sport jujitsu can contradict the, the purpose of jujitsu for life where, you know, and I love sport jujitsu and I love competition, but it's, it's counterproductive if you're going to burn up your hands and use up all your, you know, never tap to foot locks. And so it's great that you got those gold medals, but now you're 30 and you limp everywhere. And that's sort of suboptimal. And so do you see folks getting overly competitive either with themselves or with others in yoga? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have something in, in yoga called yoga butt. <laughs> It's the people who are complaining about right at their seat bones. It hurts. It's really tender. Oh, my gosh. I must be tight. I'm going to do more down dogs. I'm going to do more things. And really what it is is they've overstretched it, and it's inflamed, and it's referred to as yoga butt. And there's another man by the name of Gary Krastow who's also um, just brilliant, and he comes from the lineage that I come from, who um, a lot of his clients, he's a yoga therapist, a lot of his clients are yoga teachers who have just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Remember I started this whole thing off with samskaras and habits? Um, so that if you get into habitual behavior, then you can't see um, what's serving you anymore. You're, you're serving that habitual behavior. And the same thing happening with the asana. If you're serving that asana, you're in habitual behavior. And then eventually, something's going to break down. 
So last question, I think. Um, so most of the people who listen to the show do jujitsu. And if I were, if they were asking me, hey, where, where should I, how should I pick a jujitsu school? I would have very good answers for them. Like, hey, look for this lineage, look for these folks, look for, make sure it's a qualified black belt instructor. So if someone hears this show and thinks, hey, I would like to try yoga, what kind of process would you suggest for them in terms of making sure that they're training and practicing yoga at a healthy place, at a good quality gym? Like how, what advice would you give for people that are new to yoga who want to make sure that they get a good first yoga experience? Oof. Um, I guess one way to start is to find out how long that studio has been in operation because a lot of them come and go pretty quickly now. So if there's been a place there that's been there for at least four to five years, five years at least, then there's a good possibility that they're, they're turning out obviously satisfied clients. The other thing is um, the, finding out the basic philosophy and, and teaching perspective of that studio. So are they, um, are they more oriented towards performance? Are they more oriented to health and wellness? Are they more oriented to the philosophy? Uh, I think that's really important to do. Um, just ask these questions. Um, and I guess also start at the beginning. Go to a beginner class. I don't care how athletic you think you are. Go to the beginner class so you don't have to work so hard in trying to figure things out. You can be more in the experience of what yoga is supposed to be, and that's proprioception, you know, where your body is in space and time, interoception, what the signals you're getting from the inside of your body, how you feel, and then being able to be quiet enough to decide what it is you want to do. And, and maybe that's similar to jujitsu. I think um, maybe that's kind of where the common ground is. But if you're in a class that's all pushing and hot or, or whatever, I, I just used the word hot. Sorry, hot people. Um, <laughs> but it's fast-paced or, or, or they're doing headstands and all sorts of things. You're, not, you're just trying to keep up. There's not going to be that proprioceptive, interoceptive experience. So go take the beginner class. Yeah, I would give that same advice to jujitsu people too. <laughs> no matter how many years you've been training, take the beginner class. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you wish I would have asked about, or just something you think that's very important for people listening should know? I would say to um, the women out there who may be doing jujitsu, or maybe they do yoga, or haven't done jujitsu yet, or or they're doing yoga and their boyfriend does jujitsu or, or husband or something. Um, Get in there and, and, and do this. It's been, um, it's taught me things that um, so much of society has taught women not to do. It's, it's just been a, um, a fabulous experience of, of learning about myself and, and my place and my role and my comforts and challenging those and changing them a little bit. It's been just invaluable. I'm not suggesting I go through dark alleys and I can beat anybody up. No, and I, I, I certainly wouldn't. And it's not necessarily from that perspective. It's, it's changed my um, awareness of myself in place and time on a daily basis that yoga just was not giving me. So that's where I am with it. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you so much. This has been great. <laughs> 
So that's our show for the day. I want to thank everybody who took the time to listen. Uh, you all helped us get to that 20,000 download milestone, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Whether or not you've ever done yoga or whether or not you've been doing yoga for 30 years, I hope that you found today's show interesting. It's always fascinating to me to see how things that are seemingly totally different can have commonalities that can just complement each other and enrich our lives in ways that we are not entirely prepared for. And that's yoga for me, and that's also jujitsu for me. On our next week's show, we're going to deeply analyze the data from U.S. grappling submission only. We're going to have a surprise guest in the studio, and we're going to have a great time. So hopefully I will talk to you again next week. And my name is Jeff Shaw. This is Dirty White Belt Radio, and we will see you next Sunday.